This is Strange Assembly episode 317, Avatar Legends. I'm Chris Stevenson, this is Strange Assembly, and I'm talking today about Avatar Legends, the role-playing game. I enjoyed, my kids enjoyed, both Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. We've read the comics, my noodle-obsessed eight-year-old even has an Avatar-branded ramen bowl. And Magpie Games has produced several excellent, excellent role-playing games, from the crowd-pleasing young superhero RPG Masks, A New Generation, to the phantasmagoric horror of Bluebeard's Bride. So it took me approximately 0.43 seconds to buy in, when Magpie launched the Kickstarter for the Avatar Legends role-playing game. Those of us who backed the Kickstarter have had full access to the PDF, which is soon to be finalized. If you didn't, you have the quick start. I suggest you go check it out. I, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. All right, so the basics, the setting. Avatar Legends is, of course, set in the Avatarverse. Games can take place in five eras, mostly defined by who was the Avatar at the time. The Kyoshi era, the Roku era, the Hundred Year War era, the Aang era, and the Korra era. If you're a stickler about the timelines, the latter two are officially defined as occurring after the TV shows and after events in the comics. Each era has a certain political arrangement and certain technology available. But just as importantly, each era highlights different sorts of conflicts and themes. The Kyoshi era, for example, features a fluid political situation where crime and corruption are frequent threats. The Roku era features established nations and high tensions, where characters may be attempting to keep an uneasy peace. The Hundred Years' War era, set just before Aang wakes up, features the most widespread physical conflict of any era, and the most obvious macro-level good guys versus bad guys conflict for players who want to battle against a tyrannical system. The Aang era presents a hopeful time of hearing, and the Korra era is mostly distinguished by modernization and the rise of Republic City. But the core themes of the game remain the same regardless of what era is used. The player characters are a band of heroes, probably from diverse backgrounds, who have come together to do what's right while balancing their own internal principles and growing as people, right? You are, are very much putting together your own squad and exploring the themes of the shows. Like in the shows, there will probably be a lot of benders in the typical group. And with the exception of airbenders in the Hundred Years' War era, a player can freely choose to make benders of the air, earth, fire, and water varieties. Also, instead of being a bender, a character might have weapons training, like Saga, or technology training, like Asami. So that's the setting, the basics of character creation, then. Because something I really like about Avatar Legends is that what kind of bender a character is, or if they're a bender at all, isn't really the most mechanically defining thing about a character. The most significant thing about a character is their playbook. This is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. For those who are not familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse role-playing games, playbook is a legacy terminology. In Avatar Legends, playbooks 
are based around character archetypes focused on certain worldviews and principles. For example, the adamant is deeply committed to a cause and willing to break all of the rules if it means accomplishing what they see as right. The adamant struggles to balance achieving results with showing restraint. Their growth as a character might involve realizing that, in the long run, their right thing is best achieved by paying attention to the consequences that their actions have on others. You know, or maybe they go off the rails and break the world trying to fix it. Hey, it's your game, right? In addition to those drives, the playbook provides starting stat modifiers, background questions on the character that need to be answered, ways that the character connects to other player characters, and moves specific to that playbook. I do want to emphasize, if you're not familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse, that connections to other characters. This is mechanically built into the playbooks. Right? You, you have to answer questions about how you interact with at least some of the other player characters. The Adamant, to continue that example, always has a lodestar the one other member of the group that they're really willing to let their guard down around. Then each adamant has other moves to choose from, like being better at awkwardly comforting other characters by admitting their own securities, or verbally needling an opponent to get them to reveal their motivation. The ten core playbooks are the adamant, which I just mentioned, the bold, who wants to get others to buy into their facade of self-confidence, the Guardian, who wants to protect those around them, but especially their chosen ward, who is one of the other player characters. There's the Hammer, who sees everything as a nail. The Icon, who's supposed to live up to an honored role that society has assigned to them, but that they aren't sure that they actually want. The Idealist has hope despite a painful past and wants to inspire everyone else. The Pillar is a team player who helps the group work well together. The Prodigy is extraordinarily skilled and is never, ever going to let anyone else forget that. The Rogue is your classic troublemaker, and there's the Successor who comes from a dark lineage that they must struggle against. After choosing a playbook, each character gets to choose up to two backgrounds out of military, monastic, outlaw, privileged, urban, and wilderness. The second thing that I really like about character creation in Avatar Legends is that it doesn't actually start with creating the character. It starts with creating the group. Either the GM or the group as a whole, depending on how much of a plan the GM has, lays down the basics. What era is the game going to take place in? What is the scope of the story going to be? Are you localized to one city, or do you span the entire world? What's the group focus going to be? Is there going to be a particular foe to defeat or friend that they're trying to rescue? Is the group trying to learn about the past or change current society? Then the players have to outline an inciting incident. How the characters came together as a group. Basically, the players are outlining the first episode of their show, with actual play starting in episode two. So the player's outline will create a three-act episode, something like identifying an ally, a powerful figure who opposes the group, and some sort of thing or location of importance. Maybe that first mission together was a great success. Maybe it wasn't. However it goes, 
the group has a purpose, a friend, a powerful enemy, and a lead by the time they're done with that first episode. Only then do the players start picking playbooks, coming up with character concepts, and deciding what sort of bender or otherwise they are. I really like this method because for a heavily story-based role-playing game, it is so important for the characters to be tied together and for there to be a good idea of what the group is about, what they are going to be doing. Powered by the Apocalypse games pretty automatically do some of that anyway, but it's one of those concepts that it's hard to get enough of. I have played in too many games that almost immediately fell apart or just felt really awkward at the start because the characters didn't really have anything to do with each other or didn't really have goals in common. They're just kind of like a hodgepodge of concepts that the players had brought into the game in advance. Something else that can say a lot about what's important to a game is how characters gain experience and grow over the course of a campaign. A game that gives experience for defeating monsters in combat encourages players to get in a lot of fights. A game that gives experience for exploration makes players want to see what's over the next hill. Avatar Legends gives all characters experience for three things. First, learning something noteworthy about the world. Second, stopping a threat or otherwise solving a problem. And three, moving towards a balance between the character's two principles. In addition, each playbook has a unique growth question. To use the adamant playbook again, that playbook asks whether in the session a character sought support or guidance from others. It gives you experience because it is literally something that the character needs to do in order to grow as a person. And I mentioned stats above, right? Your playbook affects your stats, and almost every role-playing game needs some sort of method of conflict resolution. So like all Powered by the Apocalypse games, conflict resolution in Avatar Legends means rolling two six-sided dice, adding them together, and then adding an applicable stat modifier. Characters in Avatar Legends share four stats, creativity, focus, harmony, and passion. Stat bonuses are small, often only plus or minus one and never more than plus or minus three. These small modifiers are still a big deal because the basic target number is seven and there's a big statistical hump at seven when you're rolling two six-sided dice. Rolling a seven to nine is something of a partial success or success at a cost, depending on exactly what you're doing. Rolling a 10-plus is a more thorough success. Well, when do those rolls happen? Well, powered by the Apocalypse games, like Avatar Legends, live by the philosophy of if you want to do it, you have to do it. That is, you don't just simply declare that you're using a mechanical move. Instead, you narratively describe what your character is doing, and if that narrative description lines up with one of the game's moves, then the mechanic kicks in, right? So you can't just say, I mark one fatigue to help an ally and give them plus one, or I roll intimidate. You have to describe what your character is doing or saying. If what you describe could actually help another player character, then that move will trigger. If what you describe might be intimidating to that guard, then the move triggers, right? And you roll to see if it actually is intimidating. A well-designed, powered-by-the-apocalypse games chooses moves so that the activities that are important to the themes and experience of that particular game are highlighted. 
So the nature of the moves can say a lot about what's important to a game and how the game approaches those actions. Outside of combat, the basic moves in Avatar Legends are assess a situation, guide and comfort, which can be used on anyone, intimidate, plead, and trick, which can only be used against NPCs, help, which are helping another player character, relying on your skills and training, and pushing your luck. So we have a spread that includes several ways of interacting with NPCs, each of which uses a different stat, a move that encourages emotional support between characters, and a generic figure-out-what's-up move. What's notable is that there isn't anything like a bending move in here. Use of bending and a lot of other actions fall under rely on your skills and training or push your luck. If a character is doing something that's definitely in their wheelhouse, then they're relying on skills and training. If they're trying to do something that's possible, but that they've never done or trained to do, then it's pushing their luck. This can make things very fluid and shows how the game isn't trying to create some comprehensive list of what every possible bender, weapon master, or technologist can do with their training. In addition to those trainings, this is where backgrounds have a mechanical impact. A character who had the urban and outlaw backgrounds may be able to avoid pursuing police officers by dodging into a crowd and then rolling rely on their skills and training. Hey, they've been doing this since they were a kid. But someone who lived a privileged life in a monastery? Not so much. They can't rely on their skills and training for that. This isn't the sort of thing that they've trained to do. They are going to have to push their luck. Now, those are only the basic moves. But there's another set of moves that are, although not labeled basic, just as important and universal as the basic moves. And they're called balance moves because they relate to the character's principles and their balance, or lack thereof, between those principles. The balance moves are live up to your principle, call someone out, deny a call out, and resist shifting your balance. Living up to a principle allows the character to, at a cost, roll with that principle instead of their usual stats. For example, if that adamant is shifted far towards their restraint principle and is pretty bad at harmony, they might want to draw on their restraint to comfort someone. If a character calls someone out on living up to their principles, they can f try to force that character to act as they say or pay a penalty. Unlike pleading, intimidating, and tricking, one player character can call out another player character. So this is a way, right, that the, the characters, based on what their principles and ideals are, can kind of push and encourage each other and interact in a mechanical way. Denying a call-out is sort of the flip side of calling someone out. When an NPC calls out a player character, it's not the GM rolling dice. Instead, the player is rolling to deny the call-out. Similarly, resisting shifting your balance represents a player character trying to hold on to their balance in the face of the emotional impacts of a situation. Okay, so that's, that's the basics. But for all the camaraderie and moral considerations that suffuse the Avatarverse, the protagonists in the show do spend quite a lot of time getting into fights, and Avatar Legends will probably be no different. Some fights are just resolved using the basic rules above. If the characters need to blow through a pair of random guards during a chase, they'll probably just be relying on their skills and training. 
the guards are really just obstacles, and an extended fight scene would just detract from the chase. Think of it like a show. Would the show stop and spend several minutes on Korra knocking around a couple of guards while she's chasing them on? Of course not. So there's no reason for the game to do that either. You just do that straightforward rely on your skills and training role. But when a fight is interesting and important, Avatar Legends has a much more developed combat system. Full combat in Avatar Legends is divided into exchanges. There might be multiple exchanges without interruption, or there might be breaks in between. Think of how in the show two benders might exchange a flurry of attacks, then kind of continue a conversation about the source of their conflict, and then go back to fighting again. Right? So in each exchange, each combatant has to choose one of three approaches. They have to defend and maneuver, or advance and attack, or evade and observe. Each player character rolls using a stat based on which approach they chose, and the approach used, plus the results of that roll, determine what techniques the character can use in the exchange. The techniques are divided up by approach. You can't choose the sense and observe approach and then use the charge technique. The techniques are also divided up into basic techniques and advanced techniques. Each of those three approaches has three basic techniques. So right, anyone using the defend and maneuver approach will be able to use the retaliate technique. And all of those nine are universal techniques. A strike is a strike, whether it's a rock thrown with earth bending or a boomerang to the face. Remember how I mentioned earlier that there aren't distinct earth bending moves? Well, there are distinct bending techniques for once the characters are in a combat exchange. And the same is true for the non-bending trainings, your weapons and your technology. So all of the techniques are tied to a specific approach, and then they're either universal or they're tied to a specific training. Those universal ones, right, those nine are your basic techniques. Anyone with the appropriate training and stance can use those. Then you have the more specific ones for the different trainings, and those are called advanced techniques. Advanced techniques are divided up into three categories. Learned, which is you've been taught to do it, but you've never actually done it in a real-life situation. Practice, which is you've used it at least once. And then mastered, you've accomplished some sort of special task and have full control over the technique. Characters start with one learned technique and one mastered technique. Learning more techniques generally requires a teacher and maybe more in the case of specialized bending techniques like blood bending or metal bending. Of course, if a character hasn't learned an advanced technique at all, they can't use it. Beyond that, the ways that these three categories matter go back to that role made after choosing an approach. If a character misses on that role at the beginning of the exchange, they can only use a basic technique and there's a cost to it. If the character succeeds at their role but doesn't get the 10 plus, they can use any one technique if it's basic or if they've mastered it, but they can't use any learned or practice techniques. If the character gets a 10 plus, they, they can use two basic or mastered techniques, one practiced technique, 
or one learned technique at a cost. And then of course, once you've learned that technique in combat, it's now gonna be upgraded to a practiced technique for you. You've probably noticed here, right? Like the complexity level of this just jumped up by an order of magnitude once you got into a combat exchange. There is a reason why combat exchanges are only used for meaningful, interesting fights. But you also might be asking yourself, how do these fights end? Does someone get knocked down to zero hit points? Well, no. I'm not going to go over all the things you can do in combat. How you take quote-unquote damage in Avatar Legends says something significant about the game. Uh, there are two ways for a fight to finish to the end. Of course, characters can just choose to stop fighting. One of those two ways is losing your balance. If a character's balance shift pasts one of the ends of their balance track, they're done for this fight. Maybe they give in. Maybe they run away. Maybe they just lose it in a way that harms someone else. It's up to the GM what is going to happen, but that character is done for now. But the more normal way to lose a fight is to be taken out, which brings us to fatigue and conditions. Whenever I've said something about doing something at a cost, that cost is often marking fatigue, although it might be marking a condition or shifting your balance. When a character is full-on fatigue, they can't do anything that requires marking fatigue. But they still might be forced to mark fatigue by someone else's action. And then they have to start marking conditions, uh, and other circumstances will directly inflict conditions. Conditions are emotional. There are five of them. Afraid, angry, guilty, insecure, and troubled. These conditions impose penalties on some moves. For example, someone who is angry takes a penalty to guiding and comforting another character. Conditions might be cleared by a move, but absent that, they're cleared by acting on the emotion. A character who is afraid might clear that condition by running away. A character who is angry might clear that condition by venting their anger on a friend. I'm discussing this in combat because this is one of the ways of getting taken out in a fight, but conditions are a significant part of the game outside of combat as well. Because right? again, there's, there's a lot of Avatar the show and Avatar Legends the game that is about emotion and how those motions may or may not control us and how we may or may not relate to others as a result of those emotions. Now that's not everything that's in the book, but that's the basics. You're also going to get a little bit of a history lesson. So you, the book discusses the different areas of the Avatarverse and what was going on there in the various different time frames. There's a whole bunch of guidance for a GM on how to set up a campaign. There's a sample adventure in the back of the book, all that. But this is the basics. This is the mechanical and emotional core. And I think that Avatar Legends is really great. I love the group character creation. I love the inciting incident framework. I love that they base the playbooks around personality and emotional conflicts instead of bending styles. That There are, I think, a lot of publishers who might have just 
said, oh, well, yeah, Firebender, that's a character class. Waterbender, that's a character class. And we'll have options in there. And there are places where that works well, but I don't think this would have been one of them. I think that this really plays into the strengths of Powered by the Apocalypse as a system. I think it plays into something that's important about what made the Avatar and Korra television shows compelling. And so I, I really, really like that they did that here. I like the conditions. These first showed up in Masks, A New Generation, which, if I didn't mention, is fantastic. And they're a great mechanic to really play up the emphasis on interaction and emotion. Combat exchanges in Avatar Legends are really more complex than my platonic ideal of a Powered by the Apocalypse role-playing game, but they also embody the Avatar-verse very well. As much as I've talked about the emotional interactions between the characters, right? Slick martial arts and bending fights are a big part of the shows, often together, you know, often going back and forth, juxtaposing that battle with the interactions between the characters. And I think that the combat feels very, you know, Avatar. If the good guys lose, they don't lose because they got stabbed until they lost all of their hit points, right? The fight ends because the protagonist got too tired or too frustrated or too overwhelmed. And the game, Avatar Legends, is great both because it uses mechanics that are solid in a vacuum, mechanics that really encourage this excellent character-focused storytelling style of role-playing games, but also because it uses them in a way that really expresses the style and significance of the Avatarverse. Um, I think if you like this sort of game, you are really going to want to check out Avatar Legends. I think if you like the Avatarverse and role-playing games are a thing you would like to try out. I think it's definitely worth checking out. I highly recommend Avatar Legends. I mentioned at the beginning this was a Kickstarter. We are just about to get the finalized PDF for that, so this is not something that you can yet go check out in a physical copy in a store, but you can go to the Avatar Legends website, which I'll drop a link to, in the show notes, you can download a, a quick start. Magpie has also been running Avatar Legends games through their curated play program. I've done that. You can check that out. That's fun. If you're doing something like going to a major convention like Gen Con later this summer, that Magpie is at, they are surely going to have piles and piles of tables for people to get a chance to play this. And if it all sounds interesting, I would encourage you to check it out. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there in the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Alexa, wherever your favorite podcatching service is. We should be there. But if we're not, please let me know. You can reach me. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. Always like to hear your comments, feedback, constructive criticism, that sort of thing. You can also find us on the usual social media. That's facebook.com slash strangeassembly, at strangeassembly on Twitter, at strangeassembly on Instagram. Until then, I'm Chris Stevenson. This is Strange Assembly. Never 
Stop gaming.